0: Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. It's May 2022 and I'm Tessa Mayer. This month I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Rosella Napi from the Research Centre for Reproductive Medicine, Gynecological Endocrinology and Menopause at the IRCCS San Mateo Foundation and the University of Pavia in Italy. Dr. Nappi's review on the relationship between menopause, cardiometabolic changes, and cardiovascular disease can be found online at thelancet.com as part of a series on menopause. Rosella, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and sharing your fascinating and important work with us. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you, and ready to take your questions.
0: Please, could you tell us about how the menopause transition affects cardiometabolic health in women?
1: Menopause is often a turning point for women's health worldwide and usually starts at midlife following the age of 40s. The hallmarks of menopause transition are menstrual irregularities due to hormonal changes, in particular to the progressive decline of estrogens produced by the ovaries. Along with these endocrine changes, the aging process of several systems begins, including modification of cardiometabolic health. The menopausal transition is associated with weight gain because of an increased energy intake and a decreased energy expenditure that leads to an increase in fat mass, predominantly in the truncal region, the so-called visceral fats, at the same time there is a decrease as well in muscle mass. In absence of estrogens, there are also changes in insulin and glucose metabolism, with an increase in insulin resistance, along with this lipidemia, especially high levels of total cholesterol, triglycerides and LDL cholesterol, and low levels of HDL cholesterol. At the same time, endothelial dysfunction occurs and blood pressure increases because estrogens are powerful controllers of endothelial and other vascular cells, affecting the release of a vast array of molecules with vasoactive, anti-inflammatory, and anti atherogenic activities. Finally, At midlife, women are more prone to develop diabetes, a very important risk factor for cardiovascular health, as the result of a synergistic contribution of changes in energy balance, metabolic performance
0: and liver, fat and muscle function. Following on from that, how does this cardiometabolic transition that occurs at menopause affect the burden of later-life cardiometabolic diseases in women.
1: Exposure to endogenous estrogens during the reproductive years provides women with protection against cardiovascular disease, both heart diseases and stroke, which is lost around 10 years after the onset of menopause. In other words, the loss of advantage after menopause leads to an epidemiological shift in the prevalence of cardiovascular disease in women, who tend to develop heart disease and stroke after the age of 60 years, whereas the incidence in men starts to increase 10 years earlier. In particular, women with moderate severe and long-lasting vasomodal symptoms during menopause seem to have an unfavorable cardiometabolic profile, due to a complex interplay between climacteric symptomatology, including mood and sleep disorders, and many components of cardiovascular risks, such as metabolic syndrome, stress responses, thermoregulation, and vasoconstrictive and inflammatory mechanisms. For instance, in the Women's Health Initiative observational study, women with severe vasomotor symptoms had a 48% higher risk of incident type 2 diabetes at follow-up. In addition, in the longitudinal US study of women's health across the nation, frequent at least 6 days over 2 weeks and persistent in more than 33% of visits, vasomotor symptoms were associated with increased risk of later fatal and non-fatal cardiovascular disease events, with an hazard ratio of 1.5 and 1.77, respectively. Awareness and management of cardiovascular disease in women remain inadequate because there is a lack of knowledge of many sex-specific characteristics that predispose women to an enhanced risk. Some traditional risk factors, for instance diabetes and smoking, are associated with a greater detrimental effect on cardiovascular disease complications in women than in men. In addition, symptoms of cardiovascular disease, particularly those of ischemic heart disease, tend to be less specific in women than in men and both heart and cerebrovascular events are more severe in women than in men.
0: How do other factors, such as reproductive and gynecological history, affect the menopause and cardiometabolic transition?
1: Healthcare care providers should consider several aspects of gynecological and obstetric history to effectively identify women at high risk of cardiovascular disease. On top of them, there is early menopause, which is associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease mortality and all cause of mortality. The extent of this risk varies with the type of menopause. Indeed, the incidence of cardiovascular disease is higher in women undergoing early bilateral ophorectomy especially before the age of 46, with estrogen therapy being protective. When comparing natural and surgical menopause in different age groups, there is also a graded relationship for incident cardiovascular disease with lower age and menopause. And surgical menopausal women have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease than women who had a natural menopause. Cardiovascular disease morbidity after hypertensive disorders of pregnancy increases significantly for up to 10 years postpartum, being at least twofold that for women with unaffected pregnancies. Even though differences occur according to the onset and severity of the hypertensive disorder recurrence, and the combination of bearing a small for gestational age baby or having preterm delivery. A history of preeclampsia has the most severe long-term cardiovascular outcomes, including hypertension, coronary artery disease, heart failure, non fatal stroke, venous thromboembolism, and type 2 diabetes. Gestational diabetes, which may be comorbid with hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, has also a significant role in future cardiometabolic risk. In particular, women with gestational diabetes had a twofold higher risk of cardiovascular disease events postpartum than women without this condition, and this risk was apparent within the first decade after pregnancy, and independent from the development of type 2 diabetes. Other conditions associated with menstrual dysfunction, such as functional hypothalamic amenorrhea and polycystic ovary syndrome, may confirm specific cardiometabolic risks. However, their role during and after the menopausal transition is less clear. The same seems to be true for conditions associated with infertility, such as a history of miscarriage or stillbirth, and even endometriosis, fibroids, or heavy menstrual bleeding.
0: How can women best manage this menopause transition, both pharmacologically and non-pharmacologically?
1: Menopause management is a major determinant of personalized health care training and competence of healthcare providers are fundamental to empower women and to make shared decisions menopause we know is a natural phenomenon which may require however a treatment because it may occur prematurely first of all it may be associated with symptoms with a significant impact on quality of life and it is also a turning point in the manifestation of chronic conditions requiring individualized management. Guidelines on menopausal therapy and other diseases occurring at midlife include healthy diet and lifestyle as first-line approaches followed by hormonal and non-hormonal treatments. And this is to relieve specific symptoms, such as vasomotor symptoms, mood changes, vaginal dryness, etc., and to reduce personal risk factors. Age, type of menopause, time since menopause onset, type, intensity and duration of symptoms, and the presence of underlying conditions should guide clinical judgment. An early management is essential for better outcomes. And midlife women with moderate severe vasomotor symptoms, in absence of contraindications, may benefit from menopause hormone therapy started within 10 years after the beginning of the menopausal transition. Type, dose, and duration of menopause hormone therapy should be consistent with treatment goals and take into account risk-benefit balance, women's attitudes to- towards chronic medical intervention and any other relevant aspects for a well-informed decision.
0: What strategies are currently available to reduce the burden of cardiometabolic diseases in women?
1: In principle, healthcare providers should recognize cardiometabolic risks within the medical history, including traditional and female-specific cardiovascular disease risk factors. These could lead to more aggressive preventive measures besides standard screening for dyslipidemia, diabetes and hypertension, and counseling to gain insights into health behaviors. A careful interview on menopausal symptomatology, including vasomotor symptoms and heart rate variability, some menstrual cycle changes, and body change and fat distribution, is as well essential to identify women at higher risk of cardiovascular disease, who are those in need of an early management. Lifestyle management, alone or in combination with pharmacological strategies depending on the estimated 10-year atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk, include a behavioural approach to change poor attitudes associated with most cardiovascular disease risk factors. Healthcare providers should help women and midlife to follow the Life Simple 7 Guidelines From the American Heart Association. Manage blood pressure, control cholesterol, reduce blood sugar, stay active, eat healthily, lose weight and stop smoking. The use of tools to motivate perimenopausal women to engage in healthy lifestyles is increasing and proven useful. Lipid-lowering agent Insulin sensitizers, drugs for weight loss, and antipertensives are the pillar of cardiometabolic risk and management. We have to keep in mind as well that menopause hormone therapy prescribed with a clear indication can decrease the risk of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease in healthy women at midlife. This treatment is not recommended. In women at higher risk of cardiovascular disease or after a cardiovascular disease event.
0: Finally, what advances do we need to see in the menopause field going forward to improve women's experience of menopause and, more widely, their health?
1: I strongly believe research should continue in order to develop new approaches in this exciting field of preventive medicine. We know that women live longer than men do all around the world, but they spend more years with disabilities. In developed countries, they expect to survive more than 30 years following natural menopause, which usually occurs between 48 and 52 years of age. Women with early menopause are even more at risk over time, and we still lack specific strategies tailored on their medical needs. Education of new generation of healthcare providers is mandatory, in my opinion, for the development of a sustainable long-term aging healthcare system, as well as the promotion of a research agenda that will further expand our ability to care and cure without inequities. It is also important to build bridges to large sections of the public, to increase awareness of the menopause, and partnerships in menopause-associated care. I believe also that healthcare providers should be proactive, conducting their practice with a multi-specialty approach and a gender-oriented perspective. The early recognition of signs and symptoms, as well as biomarkers indicating a higher risk of chronic conditions in a specific subset of midlife women, is imperative for precision menopause medicine. Finally, I do sincerely hope that the drug development pipeline will be filled soon with promising new products to provide safe alternatives, to improve health and quality of life, to enhance adherence to treatment plans, and ultimately to increase satisfaction of all women across the world.
0: Rosella, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and for providing insight into an extremely important field of research. You can read more about this topic on thelancet.com. Thank you to Rosella, and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts.